0: Five, four, three, two, one. Lift off at a thousand nine, Hi, I'm Mark Boucher.
1: Welcome to the Space Economy Podcast and the next episode in our special series, Doing Business in the Solar System, hosted by Elizabeth Howell. Today's episode focuses on countries that want to become launching states and what that means. New Zealand was the most recent example of a country to become a launching state.
0: Now, the UK, Australia and Canada all appear to be on that
1: path. Listen in. Welcome to Doing Business in the Solar System, where we talk about finding opportunities in the universe. This is a Space Cube podcast and your host is Elizabeth Howell. For many years, Canadian orbital dreams were restricted to launching things in other countries, but a proposed launching facility in Nova Scotia secured nearly $11 million in Canadian investment money this spring. Its location takes advantage of the Earth's rotation to boost rockets into equatorial orbits. The facility is at an early stage, so early that Transport Canada says it isn't yet ready to comment, but we do have Kenneth Hodgkins, President of International Space Enterprise Consultants, on the line. Mr. Hodgkins used to be the Director of the Office of Space and Advanced Technology at the U.S. State Department, and he was in Ottawa, Canada a few years ago talking about Canada as a launching state. Welcome, Mr. Hodgkins.
0: Hi, Elizabeth. It's my pleasure to to be joining you.
1: Thank you very much. Well, thank you. It's our pleasure to have you here, because uh, this is a really interesting development. And as you well know, there's been movement on the launch even between our conversations. That's how quickly this uh, conversation is evolving. And so there'll be a lot to say as the year progresses. And so before we begin to talk about the new launch facility or the under development launch facility in more detail, what has been your involvement in uh, the negotiations or at least the discussion to date?
0: Well, Elizabeth, we we have uh, my office uh, before while I was there. Um, my staff and I did a lot of of, of uh, work on the uh, rocket lab launch from New Zealand, which informed us on what might be what might be needed for Canada. Uh, that was a huge amount of work both <clears throat> between the US and New Zealand because it was a. US facility in New Zealand but also <clears throat> uh, New Zealand had to look at what it was to be a launching state and what were the international and regulatory um, requirements. So the the negotiations between the US and Canada, and not really taken off because there are certain decision points that will have to be made. One is: is is, is it going to be a totally Canadian-built um, rocket, or will it be hosting uh, a, a um, launch, a, a launcher from another country, say the United States? In the case of New Zealand, and if it was, if it were to be with the United States. Um, you know, manufacturing the rocket, you'd have to comply with the uh, missile technology control regime. Uh, you'd have to negotiate a technology safeguards agreement with, with the United States. Uh, luckily, we've done many of those, so a lot of it is fairly straightforward, but it's, again, to protect U.S. technology that's on foreign soil. Uh, the, the, the second kind of aspect of all of this is the commercial aspect, and when you know, when will the commercial operator be ready to to um, start doing this in in earnest? Uh, we have not, I had not up at that point a year ago talked with with any of the uh, commercial or potential commercial operators, uh, but I I do understand that's going to be a decision that will be that will be made. Um, you know, in the commercial realm, but but equally important is what the government of Canada will decide to say or not say about this. Um, and we have not had any government-to-government discussions, other than maybe some fact-finding on the uh, TSA and the MTCR. But a formal agreement between the U.S. and Canada really depends on the nature of the operation in, uh, in Canada. If it's solely a Canadian operation uh, with its own rocket, nothing comes from the United States, The issue, a lot of these issues go away. But the, the other component of, of this is what the government of Canada is going to do with this. And the concept of being a launching state is not an easy one, even though it's a US, even though it could be say a US rocket, Excuse me, uh, from Canadian soil. Canada, under international law, is the launching state, and New Zealand is the launching state and had to have an interagency in government process to deal with issues of liability, state responsibility, uh, registration of objects, huge amount of, of work that has to go into that. That is, what will it mean for Canada to be a launching state? And those are the kinds of discussions that I had actually with some of my Canadian counterparts, is that that issue which is very, very important because having a launch facility in Canada means Canada is totally liable and the Canadian taxpayer is totally liable for any damage that launch operation might cause to a third party under international law. So it's not just a question of having a facility, it's also what's the Canadian? policy going to be what's kind of the strategic view that they'll have
1: that makes a lot of sense now you used a couple of acronyms in your discussion there one yeah. of them was tsa technology safeguard agreements so can right. you explain what that means to uh, to people because i understand it has to do with attracting american users right into canada
0: uh, not necessarily what it does is, is the technology safeguards agreement really is between the us government and the Canadian government on what steps Canada will take in conjunction with the us to protect the uh, the u.s components in this case the rocket a launcher um, protect it from, uh, exp- uh, from uh, technology leakage, if you will. Uh, who will be on the facility? Will the U.S., in this case, have access on a regular basis to the facility to track what is what is going on? Uh, it, you know, specifically, the, in, in order for us to have fairly high, uh, you know, fairly complicated technologies that have strategic implications, that is, building a rocket, how do we protect those, not only from a, a proprietary standpoint, but just also from a security standpoint? And we have technology safeguards agreements for other activities in space, but we have ones very specifically with New Zealand that lays that out. And it's a fairly straightforward process, but it's um, – and in fact, that probably – goes along a lot smoother than the other issues that I was talking about, having to be done domestically on uh, taking on the responsibility of the launching state. Understood. So, the, so I guess what I'm saying is the TSA, the technology safeguards agreement is just to secure at all times U S technology that is on foreign soil. Okay. And the other abbreviation that you used, what was that? The missile technology control regime um, for which Canada is a member, it's not a treaty, but it's an understanding among countries that we will control certain levels, uh, certain um, uh, missile technologies based on levels of Performance from um, you know from from being developed by by other countries. So we agree within the MTCR that there are certain things, certain components that can and cannot be exported to non-MTCR um, countries. Uh, we would we would look at what the what the implications could be if we had U.S. technologies um, going to Canada. What you know. What does that have? I mean, what what implications do we have for controlling, in this specific case, missile missile technology? So the MTCR is a well known, um, is you know, is a is a well known um, animal, if you will, to the Canadian government, and it, that again would be between the U.S. and and, uh, and Canada. The two governments, as opposed to the commercial operator, will who would actually have to take certain steps based on what Canada and the U.S. agree.
1: That's right. And um, so it's just interesting having this conversation, even about the legal and the regulatory ramifications, because for people that are maybe outside of the space business, they may not understand why we have these long development timelines. And that's a big part of it, right? It's not only the technology, but getting all the, the pieces into space, especially with intergovernmental agreements and treaties. Can you give a sense, though, about... What's been going on, because even with those, those metrics in mind, the, the fact that it takes a long time for space development to generally happen, we have been kind of sitting here a while waiting for this facility in Nova Scotia to maybe or maybe not be available. So what's your sense about how well we're doing You know, in, in the terms of getting it ready, getting it out there? What kind of things, I guess, do we need to do to make it move forward, aside from obviously the funding that just arose?
0: right well it's interesting when you made the point about it, the, the long timeline what's fascinating about the situation we're in here we're in today is a couple of things first of all you know 15 years ago the idea of these constellations of of small sats these little little cubes small things that was that was that was sort of something universities did now now today we have this huge, huge proliferation of small sats being launched from rockets as well as off the space station. Um, we have huge constellations now, like Starlink and OneWeb, and those don't need a rocket by themselves, and they're all piggybacked on, on larger rockets. So that's one. Bit, that's been one, you know, Big development, in my view, in terms of this conversation. The second one is, you know, it took us six decades to get to the launching states that we have, aside from from New Zealand. That is, we had Iran, North Korea, India, Japan, Israel, the U.S., Europe, you know, China, Russia, Uh, And that all kind of went along. All all of those rocket developments were done kind of in a vacuum for national purposes and whatever. Now, over the last five or six years, we have New Zealand, who is now a launching state. Canada is now taking concrete steps forward. Australia is interested in also hosting a spaceport and the UK. So we could have four new or... We we could have four new, um, or I'm sure three more new launching states within a matter of years. That's pretty rapid pace, and so the uh, and, and so the timelines that we're talking about now are actually shrunk because we there is a market and at least from what I understand for these small. For, for these small launchers because the, the small sat people don't always wanna be secondary payloads on a bigger payload because the bigger payload calls the shots on when it gets launched. And so they have that independent ability to, to use different small smaller launchers to get the small stuff, if you will, up into space. Is, is huge. And that's how that's occurring rapidly. And I would see once the funding is is secured, my assessment is a commercial, the commercial folks are going to start putting a lot of pressure back on the Canadian government to say, Okay, we're ready to roll. What are
1: you doing? And actually, that leads into my next question, which is obviously big launch market, a lot of new entrants, as you pointed out, coming in all over the world. So, what is it about Canada's potential location that's going to make it unique, or distinctive, or attractive to potential customers? Well, I think the
0: the 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 fact that it's available is probably the most important thing to the, to the potential uh, customer. I think the second thing is. Uh, th- there, There's a certain comfort level in dealing with Canada, Canada's NATO ally, you know, Canada's, you, you, I mean, just generally from a political standpoint, uh, it's not like launching a small, you know, going to a rocket launcher in some other country where they might not be as transparent in terms of their regulations, you um, on launches and, and other space activities. So you you just have a, you know, very high comfort level with Canada. If you're going to be doing business with a Canadian, in this case, a Canadian launch company, you'll know upfront what you need to do. And that goes back to my earlier point, not to belabor it, but the Canadian government's got to put that transparency and predictability into place in order for the commercial launch folks to be able to tell potential customers, yeah, we we can do this. These are the things that, you, that we have to comply with and that you'll have to comply with. But if the Canadian government says, well, we don't know what, what we need to do yet, so why don't you just wait? Um, that's not going to be helpful. Uh, and, and in terms of launching from Nova Scotia, you typically um, countries do want to look at um uh, launch launch um, launch facilities that that allow you to go out over the ocean to reduce the risk of damage. now in in Russia everything just comes splashing down in the middle of the uh, of uh, in, in the middle of the of the country um China I think is the same is the same case. Most other launch facilities, the trajectory is primarily over the, uh, you know over the ocean so nova scotia is a perfect you know is a perfect place i mean the, the only question would be the infrastructure there in nova scotia to move things in and out um i mean you know i think it's it's yarmouth right is the seaport i mean you can get get nova scotia by sea or, or by or by land so that would be in terms of siting that would be probably the best the best uh place to to put it as opposed to you know putting it in yellow knife where it just goes right over everybody and everything.
1: Understood. Now we've been kind of hinting here and there about what the Canadian government is doing or maybe not doing, depending on the uh, the perspective. Can you give more of a fuller sense about where they're standing as this this idea is moving forward to potentially have this launching facility in Nova Scotia, like what what they've been saying, what kind of uh, discussions they've had with the industry, et cetera?
0: Now I don't know the the specifically if they've had discussions with with um, with industry. I do know that um, w- when I, um, I I I do know that when um, w- when I was up in Ottawa the last time, I had to talk. Uh, ex- I, I had long talks with the Canadian Space Agency on uh, what. Needs to be done as a launching state, and th- that is a very complicated thing, and that is strictly something only the the Canadian government can do. So, if so, my understanding is that Canada is still at a very early stage in sorting this out. Now, again, I I could be wrong uh, because you know I just haven't talked with my co- colleagues in Canada f- for a while, but. If, again, let's take the scenario that it's going to be a U.S.-manufactured rocket, like we have with Rocket Lab, and they're going to use Nova Scotia as its facility. And so the rocket itself is built by, by a U.S. company. We would go through, the Canadian government would then need to come to the U.S. government and say, we intend to do this, and we have the commercial transaction between the builder of a of a us uh, vehicle, of a us made vehicle and the um, um, and the host facility in in nova scotia now what do we need to do and you know we would go through the list You'll you'll need a technology safeguards agreement. You'll need a missile technology control regime understanding. And then we would say, okay, so we want to be sure that you have in place, as, as a matter of policy, if not law, what you will do as a launching state, because the launching state is the key to all of the outer space treaties. It's not the... The object itself, but who launched it and who is going to be liable for the launch? When will you be liable? How do you hold harmless the United States? If not, I mean, in, in this case with New Zealand, you know, we had to discuss all right, what happens if there's a mishap with the rocket itself? The rocket is being built and operated by, um, by a US company. So we're only using. New Zealand territory, so New Zealand's not doing the launch itself, which means they have to, they they have to um, trust that Rocket Lab is doing the right thing, and of course there are discussions there there as well. But what we what we would want not want in the case of the U.S. is providing the launch, and then Canada just saying, well, it wasn't our rocket. Yes, it was our territory, but you know, who cares about that? The U.S. taxpayer has to to eat the cost if something happens. That's not the way it's going to work. It's going to be what does Canada have in place uh, to, um, to indemnify the United States from potential claims or to have a discussion between the U.S. and Canada should something happen with knowing full well that the rocket Operation was done by a U.S. company, but it was from Canadian territory, and because it's from your territory, you are the launching state. Yeah. So those would be the, the, the types of things that we would be looking at. And if, again, I don't, I'm not really sure if that that has happened. And as, as I said again, with the with the funding by this company and having this all happen. All that does then is, is in my view, is going to turn the 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 headlamps, if you will, onto the c- Canadian government and having transport. What are you doing, um, uh, your external relations? What what are you what are you folks doing about this? What are you doing at the you know, at the the um, senior levels of, of the government and the premier and, and, and all that in terms of, of uh, taking on the responsibilities of being a launching state. And, 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 and what you don't want happening is the government being the pacing item for the company to start attracting investors and start making decisions on what rocket they're going to use. Because if they have to wait for the government, they could be waiting for years.
1: We've been talking about um, other emerging launching states. So we have New Zealand, and you also mentioned uh, the UK and a few other locations. Uh-huh. So how do the challenges of the Canadian launch facility compare to these other ones that are just beginning to enter the market?
0: Um, well, I think, so C- Canada's space program, uh, you know, is fairly wide-ranging from the Canada arm and and all robotics to the, um, you know, to remote sensing and telecommunications. And Canada has done this, you know, on its own, as opposed to, say, the UK doing most of of their space activities through the European Space Agency. And uh, Australia and New Zealand, while they have space programs you know they haven't launched things it's not as it's not quite as as robust so canada has a huge amount of institutional knowledge on you know the managing the space sector interaction between the government and the and the private and private operators so for in, in my my impression for the uk and for um australia they, they would have to go through this whole laundry list and I'm not sh- quite sure that they're they're quite set up for that now in the case of New Zealand it was this you know this this company says I want to launch from New Zealand a lot of money to be made what are you going to do to help me do it I mean that basically is what happened and then the and then New Zealand and the New Zealand government had to catch up with the 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 commercial activity in order to make it in order to make it happen, because, you know, the rocket lab didn't say, okay, we'd like to do this. Can we, and then wait years and years before New Zealand says, yes, they said, we, we want to do it. We're ready to, we're ready to go. And what are you going to do to make this happen with Canada? You're kind of in between all of that, where I say you have the institutional experience on on managing a national Mm -hmm. wide-ranging space program, but but you're also going to have to deal with the, the questions that this company are going to ask is, when can I start doing it? When can I start marketing my launch vehicle? My yeah, the launch vehicle to potential users. When when is it I can start really stepping out and and know that I'm not going to get shut down because the bureaucracy finally caught up and said, "No, we don't think this is a good idea at all. So therefore, we aren't going to license you. We aren't going to allow you to to do any of this work. So they need they need some certainty." Fairly quickly, in my view.
1: Okay, and then uh, we're just about out of time, but maybe if we could have one more question really quick, take about a minute. If Canada does end up having a launching facility, because this is such a fascinating conversation, I'd love to (laughs) keep going. But if we do end up having a launching facility in Canada, what are you and your business most looking forward to?
0: I, I think th- th- there are a couple of things. First of all, I'm excited about the idea that we have all these new launching states starting and particularly within the NATO a- alliance where we could set the rules for launching states and say, these are the things that need to be done for, by, our, by the users of our facilities, by other launching states, transparency, predictability, uh, controlling orbital debris, just kind of rules of the road, like you know that I use the analogy: of the Dutch India Company, they had the ships to get to the East. If you didn't like their terms, go build your own ship. You know, in this case, the launching states control what what goes up and how it goes up. And I, and for me, that's a fascinating idea of how do we bring those 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 countries together, the new ones together within the NATO alliance, and 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 what we what we would. Um, What we could do from a political and policy standpoint the other part i think is exciting is the the having a capability there that users with the small sats and who knows what else have have um have an option to use because right now the small sats do have some small vehicles like rocket lab but a lot of them have to go on on larger rockets where the primary payload is the one that sets the scheduling. So you, you, what you add to the space enterprise is a lot more flexibility and, and options for who knows what other applications. Like I said, small sats 15, 20 years ago were, were, were things that were, you know, were, were like some kind of hobby or, or like amateur radio. Now it's a, it's a big business.
1: Well, thank you very much for your discussion um it was so nice to talk about this and i hope that we have the chance to engage again when the um the development becomes a little bit more advanced and so uh, that was kenneth hodgkins president of international space enterprise consultants on the line and this was doing business in the solar system a space cube podcast with elizabeth howell well that's a wrap
0: on this episode your feedback is very much appreciated Please use our Twitter channel at The Economy Space to contact us or send an email to podcast at spaceq.ca. Help others discover our podcast by writing a review on whichever platform you use. Thank you.